As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Talking to a time in Miami, Dallas Discord, and Clyde Edwards-Lair's last stand on fantasy football in 15. Welcome into Fantasy Football in 15. It is Wednesday, October 21st. Week 7 is here. We are done with Week 6. Moving forward to Week 7. I am Michael Beller. I am joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR, some uh, big news stories to talk about on this episode. How you doing? Doing really well, and I'm cracking up about one of the things in the rundown because I hate to say I told you so. <laughs> I can't wait to uh, get to that one. I know exactly what it is. It's not the first thing that we are going to talk about here because the first thing we're talking about is Tua time. The news breaking on Tuesday morning, Tua Tungavailoa will start for the Dolphins after the team's week seven bye. A lot of people seem surprised by this move. Dolphins sitting at three and three, certainly in the AFC playoff race. Ryan Fitzpatrick playing very good football so far this season in the top 10 of QBR in the top 10 of a lot of stats. Uh, this team is three and three, not in spite of Ryan Fitzpatrick, but because of what he is doing, or at least partially because of what he has done at the quarterback position so far this year. So let's just start there. Derek, obviously not a huge part of the story in our fantasy football world, but we should probably dispose of it. Are you surprised by the move to Tua? No, because I still think when you're a team like the Dolphins and you draft your franchise quarterback, you still have to make decisions based on when you think that player is ready rather than based on the form of the guy keeping the seat warm, which it's really tough for someone like Ryan Fitzpatrick to play as well as he's played and end up on the bench. But this was kind of the plan all along. I think maybe the Dolphins are surprised at their own record at this point in the season. I think there were some concerns, of course, with Tua's hip injury and where he was at maybe at the very beginning of the season. So bringing him along carefully was part of the plan as well. Uh, I think it's interesting because maybe it gives the Dolphins a trade chip. Maybe there are a few teams out there that would see Fitzpatrick as an upgrade over their current quarterback situations. I know he's talked about being a mentor to Tua, and maybe it works out just fine in that regard. But uh, yeah, this is one of those things that I didn't expect Fitzpatrick to play quite this well, but I expected the change to happen around this time of the season, almost regardless of whether or not the Dolphins were winning some games. 
Yeah, I think it makes all the sense in the world that uh, Tua Tungabailoa is taking over as the starter here. I think you said it perfectly, right? When you draft a guy to be your franchise, you make the decisions for when he starts based on him, not based on the guy who is in his place. So it stinks for Ryan Fitzpatrick. You totally understand uh, if he's disappointed by this, but uh, he's been uh, right there behind Tua this whole time and have to imagine that will be the case for uh, him for the rest of the season should he remain with the Dolphins. Definitely been some uh, some trade rumors. Uh, who knows how real those are with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and maybe one of the teams who could be interested in him if he does hit the trade market is one we're going to talk about in a little bit. But let's focus on the fantasy side of this. What's Tua's fantasy value? I think easily in two quarterback leagues, he jumps not only into the discussion because – any starting quarterback is in the discussion, but someone who I wouldn't be surprised if before long you're leaning on him as a regular starter in those sort of formats, and he's at least a streamer in that stream discussion in one QB leagues. Yeah, I mean, think back to our evaluations of Ryan Fitzpatrick coming into this season. Most years, he's in the high six, low seven range in terms of yards per attempt. Just because he's eclipsing that doesn't mean he was going to stay at that level. This should be an upgrade for the offense as a whole. I think it's a reasonably small upgrade initially. I think despite the fact that Tua had a ton of success at Bama and he's going to be, I think, a very good quarterback in the long run, it might not happen overnight. I think the schedule is going to be a pretty big factor here. Coming out of the bye, they catch the Rams, the Cardinals, the Chargers, and the Broncos in those first four games. Those are not easy matchups. Uh, the first two are actually reasonably difficult matchups, so I think we're going to see some very ground-heavy game plans in those first couple games, and maybe they'll open some things up once you get to that Week 10, Week 11 range. Uh, I think he's more of a, a fringe QB2 for now. I think the ceiling long-term is that of a steady QB1. It just might take more than the rest of this season for Tua Tungavailoa to get there. Yeah, I think what's really going to depend uh, on his fantasy value or what his fantasy value is going to depend on is just how healthy the hip is and how much he's able to run. If he's able to run, I mean, we've seen guys, Ryan Fitzpatrick being one of them, uh, who have been able to buoy their fantasy value even with substandard or average uh, passing games or stretches of passing performances by being able to add 40 yards. 50 yards, 60 yards, throw a touchdown in the mix one every two or three games, and you're able to sustain some pretty decent fantasy value by doing that. If the hip is good for Tua, then I think that he ends up being someone who, as I said uh, when we started talking about him in this context, is a reliable starter in two QB super flex leagues and is at least on our stream radar in one quarterback leagues. He's definitely going to be a very interesting player, and that's going to trickle down to the rest of Miami's offense. Where do we go from here with the Dolphins' offense? Miles Gaskin is someone who has developed into a fairly reliable RB2 flex guy. I think if you have him, you're more likely than not starting him in any given week. Uh, Devontae Parker, a wide receiver one, wide receiver two guy, definitely someone who's a plug-and-play starter. Preston Williams has got in the end zone the last couple of weeks. Mike Kosicki has had some boomer bust um, uh, performances for this team so far this season. How do we feel about these guys? I guess specifically the ones who we look at here are those first three, maybe Gaskin and the two receivers. Yeah, I just think if if two is an upgrade over Fitzpatrick, it's more opportunities for the offense to score. So you're talking about probably a partial TD increase per week. Maybe it's a half touchdown per week that Tua brings compared to the offense led by Fitzpatrick. So it's a small bump for Gaskin. It's a small bump for Parker. I think this is still going to be a skinny tree in terms of production. Mm -hmm. I don't think the secondary options are going to rise up to a level where we're saying, oh, the Dolphins are scoring so much that uh, guys like Jakeem Grant and Isaiah Ford right, and, and right. players that were buried, those guys aren't going to become fantasy relevant. At least I'd be surprised if they did. 
I think it gives you a little more confidence in the consistency of someone like Mike Gesicki having that upgrade at quarterback. I think we will see Devontae Parker continue to see a large volume of targets week in and week out. So really, it's just the the weird sort of belief that a rookie quarterback, in this case, can provide more of a floor week to week for this entire offense than the seasoned veteran who, look, as a fantasy contributor, has been even better than we've expected, and he's treated fantasy owners very well over the years. Over the years. Yeah, That's why Ryan Fitzpatrick's so popular <laughs> yeah. on, on fantasy Twitter. Yeah, I, I think it's it's really a, any sort of difference. I think is marginal, right? Like even if you uh, you grant the premise that Tua is a slight upgrade over Fitzpatrick, I don't think it's the one to the point where you're looking at rest of season running back rankings and suddenly Miles Gaskin has moved up three or four spots, right? I mean, it maybe is a little bit higher of a week in and week out floor but not something where you're really going to say, oh, now I got to go trade for Miles Gaskin. Now I got to go trade for Devontae Parker. This is a guy who has been a top 20 receiver who's about to play like a top 10 receiver. Maybe the floor is a little bit higher, and even that might be stretching the bounds of reality for what Tua can do over the back half of the season in his rookie year. So it's big news. It's exciting news. The person most affected by this are the two quarterbacks, Tua himself and Ryan Fitzpatrick coming out of the lineup. Although, Maybe he won't be out of a starting lineup for too long. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, Derek, let's turn our attention to the Dallas Cowboys, the two and four first place Dallas Cowboys, what a joke of a season we are seeing from the NFC East. I would be all for a team, uh, whoever wins this division, unless they have some sort of miraculous turnaround over the next 10 games, uh, just not making the playoffs. And whoever would be left out in the NFC, put them in the playoffs. Or even the first team left out in the AFC, put them in the playoffs in the NFC East champ spot. That is not going to happen. Dallas looked horrible on Monday night and Suddenly, we're starting to hear some rumblings. Uh, this coming from NFL Network's Jane Slater. Cowboys were uh, happy over the first few weeks to keep this in-house, but now players aren't wanting to keep it in-house any longer. Some of the quotes from this story from Jane Slater uh, about the coaching staff here, quote, totally unprepared. They don't teach. They don't have any sense of adjusting on the fly. They just aren't good at their jobs. Mike McCarthy, how you feeling about this uh, waking up to hearing this being out in the news on Tuesday morning? I mean, does this have you, I guess, coupled also with the way this team played and with the way Andy Dalton looked on Monday, uh, concerned at all about investment in a Dallas offense that as recently as 10 days ago, we were very excited about? Yeah, I think when Dak Prescott got hurt, we said that Andy Dalton might be a better option to replace him on your waiver wire than uh, other teams' options because the weapons around him in Dallas are so good. But 
as somebody who roots for the Packers, I'm not surprised by this at all. I mean, I think you look back at the, the Packers winning the Super Bowl in 2010 under Mike McCarthy with peak Aaron Rodgers. Very little changed over McCarthy's time in Green Bay. He did not evolve. He did not continue to make changes to his scheme over the course of the next decade in Green Bay. And I was surprised when he was hired by the Cowboys, but I wasn't shocked because I think he could be that sort of yes man that an owner like Jerry Jones wants to have. But look, I, I watch this team every week and I saw the same offense 10 years ago and I just thought, oh, how's this going to work in Dallas? Is it going to be the same thing? Is he going to waste another elite quarterback at his peak? And the answer to that question before Dak got hurt was shaping up to be a yes. And seeing these comments coming out on Tuesday, yeah, I, I'm, I, I kind of expected something like this if things weren't going well because he was frequently outcoached and outschemed and oftentimes managed to pull out wins because he had a Hall of Fame quarterback making ridiculous plays despite the fact that they had probably below average personnel for the better part of the last five years with the Packers. I mean, you look at the players left over in Dallas, right? I mean, you're starting Ezekiel Elliott certainly every single week, but you probably took him over Alvin Kamara. You probably took him over Derrick Henry. You're regretting that right now. You're still starting Amari Cooper and uh, and CeeDee Lamb, but you probably didn't like what you saw against Arizona. Michael Gallup had already fallen a little bit out of favor, and there's actually, I think, an argument to be made that his individual fantasy stock goes up with Andy Dalton compared to where it was with Dak Prescott. But it's not like it's very good. Dalton Schultz gave you, you know, your standard uh, game for that group of tight ends that we always talk about where they get a touchdown and they they perform. They don't get a touchdown and they don't. I mean, you have to feel worse about every single player in Dallas. And you're still stuck starting Ezekiel Elliott. And that still stuck is probably a little bit of an overstatement. But you're starting him. You're starting Amari Cooper. You're starting C.D. Lamb. But suddenly, guys who you felt really good about a week and a half ago before the Dak Prescott injury, you probably aren't feeling so great about now. And the fact that this is coming out about the coaching staff, I mean, the fact that they felt this way to begin with already troubling. The fact that it has now bubbled to the surface and they are ready to talk about it even more troubling. So this is something that we're going to have to keep a very close eye on. And we are still talking about a first place team, which is crazy, right? I mean, we're still talking about a team that uh, you look up and down should be headed to the playoffs, given that NFC East, just an insane situation of what's going on in Dallas and in that entire NFC East. One more thing to get to here really quickly. We saw Clyde Edwards-Alaire have his best game of the season in his last game without Le'Veon Bell as an active teammate. Uh, 26 carries, 161 yards on Monday night. Some interesting quotes from Andy Reid to Jay Glazer. He said that he doesn't want Bell to, uh, quote, take the plays of my little guy and that uh, Bell is going to take some reps but not become the starter. Look ahead to week seven. Obviously, we're going to learn a little bit about what this split's going to look like. We know it's going to be a split. Chiefs play the Broncos. How do you feel about those two guys going into this week? I think they're going to ease Bell in. That that sort of made sense all along, and maybe that's extra confidence coming off of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's performance against the Bills on Monday, but they invested a first-round pick in Edwards-Hilaire, and I think what they can do is really chop up early down work versus third down work and maybe lean more heavily on Bell in those latter situations. The question I think is, does the Chiefs offense score enough and pile up enough yardage to sustain two running backs each and every week? I think there's going to be some matchups where you look at it and you could talk yourself into it, especially since we're right in the thick of things with bye weeks. We're dealing with a lot of injuries. 
But I don't know if that's going to be an every week sort of thing mm-hmm. where Bell's going to be viable. So I think Edwards Hilaire for now, very startable. Bell a little more fringy for me until we get a better sense of just how many carries he takes on in addition to whatever he gets in the passing game. Agree completely. I think that we look into week seven as CEH as an RB2 and Bell as, you know, maybe a fringy sort of flex play in your standard sized fantasy league, but one that you wouldn't necessarily feel great about. I think this Chiefs offense can certainly sustain this number of guys, but with everything Patrick Mahomes does through the passing game, it's hard for two of them to be running backs. Like, can this offense sustain, you know, uh, Travis Kelsey? Tyreek Hill, and two more guys, I think it can. Obviously, they're not all going to hit every single week, but I think it can. But can two of them be running backs? I think that's where things get tricky, and that's why I still want to see something from Le'Veon Bell in this offense before I feel good about starting it. That's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. We've got a couple more episodes coming to you later this week, including tomorrow when we will talk a little bit about the Eagles and the Giants getting us started in week seven. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. We will be back with you tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great day.